0: you don't have some of these basic security solutions in place, you're not meeting what I refer to as the security poverty line. You're you're putting yourself, your organization, your your employees, your shareholders at a, a heightened undue risk.
1: You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. If you enjoy this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, or follow the podcast. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. To learn how you can reduce your health and dental costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Hello and thank you for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. This episode is part two in our cybersecurity series with Dominic Vogel of CyberSC. On this episode, we talk about keeping your email safe, The common cybersecurity miss Dominic, hears how the cyber risk landscape has changed as a result of COVID-19, how to handle the risks associated with having a remote workforce, ways to make sure your website is safe for visitors, why stress puts us at an increased risk for cybercrime, and how an employee can talk to management about cybersecurity. If you haven't yet, I'd recommend giving part one a listen as well, although you can listen to them in either order. It will be the episode that was released just before this one. So, with that, I hope you enjoy this one and let's jump right into the conversation. I'll be checking in with you again at the end of the episode. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Absolutely, Maury. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: As founder and chief strategist at CyberSC, Dominic Vogel holds a proven track record within the cybersecurity community across a multitude of industries. Dominic actively participates in the Vancouver security community and is a well-respected cybersecurity expert for appearing on media news outlets across North America and internationally on BBC World News. Dominic is highly regarded as a cybersecurity thought leader and was recently appointed to the BC Provincial Cybersecurity Advisory Committee. He focuses much of his energy on providing strategic security leadership to technology startups and small and mid-sized businesses to proactively solve their cyber risk challenges. He strives to provide practical cybersecurity advice to his clients and actively turn the security consulting world upside down. Okay, so today we're talking some general safety, website safety myths, um, and new security measures that have come out as a result of COVID. On our previous episode, we talked a lot about what the threats are, how to avoid them, and we're going to go into some more detail today. So let's start off giving a bit of context for companies that may not have experienced um, this type of scenario. So, what can the impacts be if a company is hit by a cyber attack?
0: Oh, good, good question. Yeah, you're, you're hitting hard right, right from the get go. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> making you work. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I was hoping you'd ease me in. No, I, the, 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 the. When we're talking about the ramifications of this, and again, it, it it's very much what I refer to almost as a continuum in which you know sometimes it can just be a mild nuisance in which you know you have a piece of uh, like a virus or malware and you need to get it removed from one computer. And it's, like I said, it's more of a nuisance. Uh, and it doesn't really you know affect the, uh, the, the business or the organization. But then as you go down that continuum, it can lead to, you know, many systems being um, knocked out. It could lead to the entire business organization being completely locked out in the case of something like ransomware, unable to do business. And then if you, as an organization, if you lose a day or two revenue, what does that mean? You know, there's many SMBs that can, you know, if they go down for a day or two, that could bring them to their knees kind of thing, even just, even just for a few hours. So um, very much, I would say cyber risk has evolved from being sort of a mild nuisance uh, to being something which is very much an existential risk and threat for SMBs.
1: And i just suggest for anyone giving this episode a listen to make sure they've checked out our previous episode as well that we did about cybersecurity because we went into a ton of information there about ransomware and what exactly that looks like. I wanted to ask you a bit about email because this is something every business uses. Uh, Can you let me know a bit of the common risks email faces and some ways we can mitigate these?
0: Yeah, you know, I I think there's there's a couple... Uh, items in email that I think people should keep an eye on. So the, the first one I would say is making sure that you leverage multi-factor and uh, multi factor authentication. Um, I believe we talked about that in the first one, but if not, I'll just quickly uh, uh, reset on that. Um, my memory is not what it used to be. I can barely remember what I had per, for breakfast. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> So especially with uh, small, mid-sized organizations, many of them leverage... Uh, third-party cloud services like off Microsoft Office 365 or Google G Business Suite email uh, for their for their company or their organizational uh, email. Now, when it's leveraging something that's external, uh, what's referred to as externally facing, or anyone on the internet can access, you need to go ab- above and beyond just username and passwords. Uh, unfortunately, usernames and passwords are, are compromised all over the place. People reuse their passwords all over the place. So you have to go on the assumption that your username and password is compromised. Uh, and that's where something like multi-factor authentication, that's basically where you, you'll get a SMS, like a text message code, or you'll get something to uh, a, a phone call uh, or something with uh, which is tied to what's referred to as an, an authenticator app. Basically, it's uh, a one-time code which you will enter in as part of your uh, login process. So even if your username and password is compromised, unless someone physically has access to your phone, as an example, they won't be able to access your account. And multi-factor authentication right now is one of the most effective risk mitigation techniques when it comes to email security and preventing what's referred to as account takeovers or having your account compromised. So I highly, highly recommend that to, to your listeners that, again, if they don't need to necessarily know the details of how to roll that out, but they should be engaging their IT team or their IT managed service provider and you know, outright demanding that MFA, uh, be uh, a multi-factor authentication, be enabled and be configured. Um, the, the other risk when it comes to um, email use Is and sort of the the particular threat which we're seeing is referred to as BEC or Business Email Compromise. And again, something like this can often be mitigated by multi-factor authentication. But that this particular threat of business email compromise, and this is right now this is something which is running rampant through uh, the S and B community, is where it's an email where the CEO's email account or a CFO or VP of finance, either their account has been compromised. Or their account is being what's referred to as spoofed, so someone's pretending to be them, and uh, what what that often takes the shape of, is it looks like it's a wire transfer (laughs) request. It looks like it's coming from the CEO saying, please send a wire transfer for 50K to this new vendor. Uh, And often this is the the way that scammers and and fraudsters take advantage of the relative immaturity of a lot of these uh, SMBs when it it comes to their uh, wire transfer process. This scam doesn't really work with larger organizations because there tends to be multiple layers of um, uh, authorization, which multiple people need to sign off if uh, a wire transfer is being sent for something over like 5K or, 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 or 10K, that level of process maturity doesn't exist with SMBs. And we see that time and time again that, um, and again, this isn't really a technical compromise per se, but it's, the, it's almost a psychological compromise in which many people, especially if it's going to someone in, in accounts payable or someone on the uh, on on finance team. They often won't think twice if they see an email that looks like it's come from the CEO or CFO. You know, they've conditioned themselves to just act on it. And one of the most effective techniques that you can do to uh, mitigate that, apart from multi-factor authentication, is to just, like I said, have a little more procedural maturity. So anytime a wire transfer request comes in over, let's say, 5K, I mean, you can define that for your own organization's risk tolerance. But whenever that comes in, there needs to be another level of uh, sign-off. Uh, So either someone else has to approve that or you validate that request through another communication channel. So if that request came in through email, maybe you connect uh, connect with them through the company's instant messaging platform or you send them a text or you call them or you send a carrier pigeon, whatever you want. (laughs) But you, you validate it through another communication channel.
1: And this is something I didn't put on the list, so sorry for making you think so early in the morning. <laughs> but I'm curious um, if you'd suggest people using a VPN.
0: The uh, y- Yes. Uh, I mean, not necessarily in the context of email. Uh, you know, e- email for many small and mid-sized organizations is already Uh, hosted by someone other than themselves. So it's hosted by Microsoft, it's hosted by Google. So a VPN there doesn't make um, uh, a whole lot of sense in terms of improving the security outcomes, shall shall we say? Uh, Okay. Where a VPN is super useful uh, is if you, let's say you're working remotely. And again, this is very true, especially now during COVID (laughs) with a very virtualized workforce. So this is a timely question (laughs) Um, uh, in which... How you connect, let's say there's a, a, a server or some systems back in the office, you know, within the office physical wall, so to speak, uh, that you need to be able to access to perform your job. Uh, a VPN allows for a much more secure connection, and, and VPN stands for virtual private network, in which that allows you to just connect back to your um, company or organization's internal network and securely access any systems or any files Securely rather than trying to use uh, some other insecure remote access method, VPNs uh, very much allow for a much more secured level of connection. And uh, same thing with email, uh, you should be making sure that how you connect is done through a username and password as well as a, a multi factor authentication.
1: Okay. And then the other thing I had that will be something common to just about any small medium business is tips for internet browsing and just identifying if the website you're on is a safe website. Yes. Yes. Some tips there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, you know, I I, I think what I often tell a, a lot of our clients as well is that these are all great questions in which to me serve as Start for great dialogue that you should be having with your IT team or your IT service provider, mm-hmm. you know. And um, because I mean, this is in, in this day and age, it's becoming basic table stakes. If you don't have some of these basic security solutions in place, um, you're not meeting a what I refer to as the security poverty line. You know, uh, it's it's you're you're putting yourself, your organization, your your employees, your shareholders uh, at, at uh, uh, heightened undue risk. And especially with something around uh, web filtering. Um, that can be something which can be done quite easily, quite readily. Uh, there's some really fantastic solutions. I know uh, something from OpenDNS, uh, which is, uh, or even Cisco. Um, Cisco has, has a great uh, solution uh, called Cloud Umbrella. Getting into the technical specifics of it, uh, I think, isn't something which SMB owners or SMB executives need to fret about. I think what's important, though, is understanding that in this day and age, unfiltered. Web access uh, just increases um, the likelihood that you'll be hit by a cyber attack um, by a you know a significant margin. You know it's it's almost what I refer to as basic cyber hygiene. You know in which if you're not brushing your teeth and uh, eating the right foods and some moderate level of exercise, you know you're you're asking for trouble kind of thing. And that to me is where we are with something like like web filtering. If you allow for completely unfiltered uh, web access. I mean, forget if people can be you know, wasting their time or accessing uh, inappropriate materials. I mean, that, that's more of an HR issue than a security issue. But um, if they are then going into areas which are, could be infected with viruses, and if there's no web filter in place to filter the web traffic to make sure that there isn't any viruses or malware uh, on that traffic, um, again, it's, it's in this day and age, it's basic table stakes.
1: And then on the other side, a lot of companies use, say, Shopify or WordPress to create their own website. Do you have some um, tips for these people to maybe your questions to bring to their IT to make sure that their website is safe for visitors as well?
0: Yeah, good good question, Morgan. You know, and, and uh, when, we're, when we're, I think what's really great about the advance of those types of services is that it does allow organizations to be able to create Relatively robust websites out of the gate, and not having to sort of fool around with it themselves. So, I mean, I think that's really fantastic. I think where the key question that should be um, brought up is, uh, you know, how are these websites being maintained? I and mean, I don't mean in terms of content, but uh, in terms of security updates. Many of these websites can be built on a platform called WordPress, and WordPress leverages a whole bunch of things called plugins. And these plugins are like almost like mini applications. And if they're not properly updated, uh, again, they just become a uh, an invitation for cyber criminals and atta- cyber attackers uh, to just try and bring down your website or uh, get unauthorized access uh, or, or what have you. So uh, that that's a key question in terms of how is the security of the website website maintained um, month over month, you know, uh, year over year kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and they can get... It can get really disorganized with all the plugins. I've worked a bit with WordPress, and
0: oh, it's it can, it can be yeah. uh, even for a website that doesn't, that doesn't seem very uh, fancy. You know, it's it's shocking in terms of how many WordPress plugins there are. You know, with our our website, our company website, you know, it wasn't anything fancy, and we went for something fairly standard, and then we were looking at the uh, the number of plugins i was blown away i was like how can Mm -hmm. there be like dozens of different plugins that are (laughs) that we're using right now so and then they all need uh, to be updated and
1: and and it's yeah it can be confusing
0: yeah exactly and that that to me again is what i refer to as low-hanging fruit Mm -hmm. there's no shortage of and that's where we're seeing a lot of website attacks right now because a lot a lot of organizations if they are thinking about security they're maybe just focusing internally and they're totally forgetting about their website your website is still very much an entry point and needs to be protected.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's move on to common myths. So can you let me know some of the common myths you hear around cybersecurity? Uh, Maybe just some things you want people to know.
0: Yeah. Well, one of my, um, I'd say one of the most common myths myths, uh, that I hear, and that frustrates me to no end, (laughs) uh, is... uh, is when you know, we're talking to someone, an SMB leader, and they say, oh, cybersecurity, our IT guy handles that, or that's on our IT MSP. Um, we're, we don't worry about that. And the myth there is that you can't outsource cyber risk. You, know, you can outsource the operational aspect of cybersecurity, and that's completely true. You know, A lot of SMBs don't have the in-house talent uh, to be able to handle the operational aspect of cybersecurity. But that the risk and the need to have the, uh, uh, sufficient due diligence, oversight, and governance, that falls on the business. Uh, that falls on the executives. They are not fulfilling their fiduciary duties if they just you know, say, oh, our IT department handles that. That's not how it works. And in the event of a data breach or a significant security incident, and if there's a, you know, legal matters that, that follow that, if it's shown that um, as a CEO or CFO that you just hand that off, to, you know, your IT service provider, uh, th- you will be, you know, um, well, lack of a better term, you know, you'll have your butt handed to you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 um, it's negligent, you know, and, and that's why I think it's so important that people understand that this is not a technical problem. This is not, so many people equate cybersecurity with being the domain of IT. Technology is a, a, is a part of it, don't get me wrong, but that's all it is. It is a part of it. At the end of the day, cybersecurity and cyber risk is an extension of enterprise and business risk management. Uh, it's not. It's not the domain of IT. You know, and um, so I think that's something which is, is a very common myth. And uh, another sort of similar myth to that uh, is that oh, we have cyber insurance, we don't need to worry about it. And to me, that's like saying oh, well, I have fire insurance, so. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of old wood and stuff all over my house and I'm going to walk around lighting matches all day and I'm going to disconnect my smoke uh, alarms and am not going to have a fire extinguisher. Um, cyber insurance isn't a catch-all. Uh, and it's, it blows my mind that people think like this. I, we even see people who understand risk management think that they can fully outsource the risk. Anyone who understands the basic tenets of risk management uh, <laughs> is that you need to first address the residual risk. You need to take steps to mitigate and lower that risk as much as humanly possible. Whatever you can't uh, mitigate further, that's what's referred to as the residual risk, then you can leverage cyber insurance to uh, insure uh, insure against that that residual risk. And furthermore, if if you're not taking any steps proactively to deal with cybersecurity, and let's say you get hit by a breach, and you try to get your cyber insurance, and we've seen this Countless times, your insurance provider will say, "Hey, you know what? you guys did jack-all in terms of uh, uh, cybersecurity, so your cyber insurance is void uh, mm. and, and you know pe- and we've seen this pe- people come to us literally crying saying, "We thought we had insurance and we didn't." And I said, "Well, you did have the insurance, you just didn't read the fine print <laughs> you know so yeah. uh, th- those are two, I'd say, of the most common and prevailing and if not uh, as well dangerous myths and mindsets to have right now.
1: I wanted to just clarify something with the first one you said. So you were saying you can't fully rely on IT. Do you mean that we need to have like a second cybersecurity team or do you mean that the leaders, management themselves need to be doing Things for cybersecurity.
0: Yeah, no, and, and yeah, I, I want to be careful with the wording there. I mean, you can rely on your IT service provider, your IT provi- uh, provider, or your IT team, but from an operational perspective, uh, at the end of the day, you still have to uh, give guidance and hold the IT team and the IT service uh, provider accountable by asking the right questions. If you don't know what questions to ask, that's a different story. That's where people and companies like ours come in. And we advise and then we own the cyber risk portfolio because many SMB leaders, they may be specialists in their business, in their sector, in finance, in operations, but there's a gap in cyber risk leadership. And that's where sort of our, serve, our type of service uh, comes in hand because then we're able to help ask the right questions and make sure that from a governance and accountability perspective – that the executives are able to demonstrate that they have performed due diligence and that they have uh, um, fulfilled their fiduciary duties to protect the organization.
1: Okay, yeah, got it. Are you willing to share a few of the reasons why people come to you and your company?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd say that there's a um, there's a few common scenarios. <laughs> uh, the first one is uh, well referred to as after the breach uh, or when the uh, literally when there's fire burning everywhere uh, or after the earth has been completely scorched. Uh, so they'll come to us and say, we barely got through this. Uh, we're not sure what happened, but we, we know we don't want to go through this again. So basically, uh, you know, we come, it's almost like the uh, like a restoration service <laughs> in which, you know, we'll, we'll say, okay, let's look at things, the cybersecurity, uh, risk environment in terms of what you were doing, what you weren't doing, and then we'll focus on on pragmatic and prioritized recommendations to again lower the inherent risk that was in many cases uh, left uh, uh, unaddressed. Um, so that that's one common scenario. Another scenario, and this is particularly true with B two B, so business to business organizations, where they'll come to us and they'll say, you know, one of our largest clients or one of our largest customers is asking for more proof around how we do cybersecurity. uh, And we've been telling them for years that, you know, we have a cybersecurity program or that we take cybersecurity seriously, but in fact, we've been doing nothing. Um, Please help us because if we lose this client, that's, you know, 50% of our revenue. Yikes. Um, And that's a very, very common scenario right now. uh, Like I said, particularly with a lot of B2B organizations I think the broader trend there is that the larger organizations are clamping down on vendor risk management and supply chain risk. So they're wanting to make sure that they are battening down the hatches in terms of potential weak spots. And a weak spot for many large organizations is the connections that they have with their supply chain. Um, So that's a, a big, big item right there. And it's finding which those two scenarios are still very reactive. I would, as a practitioner in cybersecurity, I would love to see people be more proactive about this. Uh, but right now, it seems to, the market seems to be heavily driven in, a, in reactive scenarios when it comes to investing in cybersecurity and cyber risk management.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, what are the reasons you wish people came to you? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, the the and it's and, and it's fine. I, I don't think I, sh- I shared this story um uh, when we talked last time but when we we we, we were dealing with a, a a prospect and they were, they were sharing this story um uh, this lady who was who was widowed and she said you know this company's been around for six, uh, something like 60 years uh and it was her husband's company he built it up from nothing uh you know she was continuing on in his legacy you know she'd been the ceo for a few years she said you know i had to learn about this just thought on the go and and she shared with me that um, and this is why we were meeting with her. She said a few months ago that they were hit by ransomware and that they were inoperable for weeks. She, and she told me she said I, I, we literally came within days of having to shut down the company for good. And I said, okay, well, you know, let's let's talk about that and let's you know let's you know, we'll tell you more about our services and we shared our services and what we did and what we do. And um, when she looked over the you know, our, our proposal and such, she said, well. Uh, I was hoping to uh, maybe pay, you know, uh, looking at paying 500 bucks a month. And I said, let me get this straight. Your, your, your husband's uh, legacy, which you told me was super important to you. um, The fact that you almost lost that with you, you came within a day or two worth of, uh, um, of time of losing everything, you're telling me that that's worth 500 bucks a month. And uh, to me, what, Really annoys me is that there's that disconnect in terms of that expectation mm-hmm. of cost versus what that means to the organization. Um, and to me, is like, okay, well, if you had invested in cybersecurity, and again, what we're offering isn't something which is I'm saying you know you have to drop 100 G's on us. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's it's very much what I would say is is, is uh, you know, fair market uh, value. And there's, like I said, there's that disconnect in which people still think, oh, this is something which I really don't want to have to buy. I want to try and minimize the cost on it. They see it as a cost center. And I always say to people, you know what, we're in a digital age. Whether you like it or not, we're in a digital economy. And unless you sell tacos out of the back of your mother's Volvo in all cash deals, you're dealing with data and you are a digital organization. Especially during COVID, you are a virtual organization. With that comes incredibly heightened cyber risk. Uh, either you do nothing about that and your company just goes by the wayside and you cease to exist uh, or you do basic table stakes when it comes to cybersecurity or, as we mentioned last time, you invest in it uh, and and as the digital economy gets stronger and stronger, uh, it becomes a source of competitive differentiation, you know, the – this, the, that mindset of needing to s- not see cybersecurity as a cost center, but rather as a business enabler in a digital age. Um, that's why I would love people come to, would come to us saying we are investing in digital transformation. Yeah. Uh, we are investing in, in understanding that we are trying to propel our organization to succeed in this digital economy. Uh, we want to invest in cybersecurity because we know that's paramount to us being successful in this digital transformation journey. Mm-hmm. Um, if hell, If just one prospect came to me and said that, I would die a happy man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that the reason people don't is that there's some fear and just not fully understanding it, not wanting to dive into it because, you know, people get a little kind of concerned with all the terminology and not understanding everything about computers and not really knowing what to ask for? Do you think that's a pain point?
0: The, the, the I'd, I'd say that the, uh, it's still a, a fundam- fundamental lack of understanding and awareness, you know, and, and that's why, um, you know, per my mission uh, is to just um, go on podcasts like this to be able to speak to non-technical people, speak to, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, speak to business leaders to really help them better understand what cybersecurity is. You know, the reason there are still so many prevailing myths, the reason why it's still so unknown is that. Uh, and this is a failing on, 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 the, on, the, uh, sort of on the part of my industry and my colleagues, and obviously myself as well, is that we have not done enough to make this relevant and uh, tangible to those who are non techie and non-security people. Uh, so I think that that's sort of where we are right now. We have to further demystify. You know, that's why I'm so grateful f- to you to you know for giving me this platform to help to further help that awareness. And over time as we increase that level of awareness, uh, I think we'll, we'll we'll see greater levels of acceptance and understanding and seeing cybersecurity, like I said, rather than a cost center seeing it as a true business enabler. So it's mm-hmm. through these types of grassroots initiatives I think that we'll see that sea of of change.
1: Yeah, I think it can be just tough to know where to even look for this type of stuff. Um, So I think hopefully this chat is helpful for everyone listening. You've mentioned a couple times that with COVID, there's been some increased risk. Um, People are going virtual with a lot of businesses. Have there been new security measures that have come out during this time? Have things changed at all in the industry? Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, I I wouldn't say that necessarily security has changed. I think what has happened is that there have been new items or new risks which have bubbled to the surface, which many SMBs are have, okay. are not prepared to deal with. Uh, so one of the first ones was, and we sort of talked about it earlier, was about remote access. Many SMBs were not prepared to have you know their entire workforce work remotely. That wasn't really a problem for most enterprises. Most large organizations have had remote access solutions in place for years. Most SMBs, maybe one or two people, maybe just some key executives, have the ability to work remotely, but certainly not everyone. And in that rush to make that happen, um, you know, there was this fo- focus on functionality, and uh, a lot of, uh, let's say, insecure <laughs> remote access solutions were, were rolled out. And I think that's a that's a key item right now. Is that because we're seeing I mean, COVID is going to still be here for. Um, at least the foreseeable future, at least, you know, six plus months out, we need to, SMBs need to take this opportunity to understand that they need to further, uh, let's say, make permanent their remote access solutions. And they to uh, use this opportunity to make it as robust and resilient as possible uh, and not just rely on a Band-Aid solution. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's one item. And we've seen increased cyber risks around remote access because cyber criminals know and have seen that in that rush to deploy it, Many of these remote access solutions were done insecurely, and they're taking full advantage of that. So that, that's item number one. Um, item number two has been that we've seen a huge increase in phishing activity, um, you know, uh, and, and scam emails being being sent out, and yeah, like a ton, you know, and and I've it's, it's a huge. I haven't seen, I've never seen an yeah. increase like this in in my career. And um, one of the reasons again is that psychological reason that. Scammers and cybercriminals and fraudsters know that people are overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're tired, they're pulling a million different directions. You know, they're looking at their email while their kids are screaming at them and climbing all over them. Um, and they know that this is the perfect psychological environment to make, um, uh, to be successful with um, uh, these types of phishing and scam uh, messages. So we're uh, at that point as as well, and so sort of one of the things that we're advocating to To businesses and to organizations is to tell their staff tell their employees rather than just trying to inform them about oh here's the latest threat and all all this thing um, that's adding more to the plate Uh, what we're seeing is something being more powerful is to just allow staff and allow your employees uh, give them the gift of uh, pause or the gift of mindfulness Uh, telling people you know what if you get an email you don't have to action it right away you know it's okay to just if you need a few hours off, take the few hours off kind of thing. And we've seen that organizations that are um, empowering their users and empowering their employees to be more mindful, um, that they actually are, have uh, – uh, they're less susceptible to these phishing scams. So I think there's a really interesting uh, dynamic there to sort of preach uh, that with, um, with your employees and staff.
1: That's a great point. I think I could launch into a whole <laughs> batch yes. of questions about that alone. But yeah, trying to take some of that stress off because you don't want people in such a reactive mode.
0: It, it, exactly. I you don't want to add more to the plate. People are already overwhelmed. Why add more to that? Add more noise. Uh, give them the gift, like I said, of, of something like mindfulness.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have tips for training employees on cybersecurity and I'm curious if you s- recommend things like um monitoring employees computers or that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean the <laughs> uh and that could be a whole separate podcast onto its own there Morgan but uh, <laughs> 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 uh, quick tips quick yeah, tips <laughs> uh one of the things uh, that I I do advocate is um if you're not doing any level of cybersecurity awareness, I think it's very important to be at least doing something. And there's a really great solution. It's it's often free or very low cost for uh, SMBs, and it's a security awareness platform called Wiser W I Z E R. It's one of my personal favorites. I recommend it to all our clients um, who don't have a security awareness platform or program in place. Uh, it does a really great job of of again, rather trying to overwhelm you with like an uh, an hour. Uh, awareness session every year, which is often very useless in terms of um, it being um, helping in terms of uh, creating more positive security outcomes, they take more of a micro content point of view. And you're able to maybe uh, have people engage with a one or two minute video once a week, it's almost like this trickle effect. And if you just engage with that type of material once or twice a week, in a short frequency, but on a longer time period, uh, that has much more sustaining power in terms of affecting positive change. So um, that's something which I I, I think is a a really important thing right now uh, uh, to do. And another one is to look at, in the long term, if your staff and your employees are going to be connecting to your internal network uh, with their personal devices, with personal laptops, what have you, organizations need to start planning and budgeting for solutions that can, uh, for lack of a better term, check for uh, do a perform a minimal health check on those types of devices. So, if a company, if something is a company device, you know it's able to access the internal network. As an example, but if it's a personal device and there's no visibility on it, then uh, you need to it's sort of uh, this health check in terms of well, we need to check that it has, has up to date security updates, that has a running antivirus or anti malware solution. It's almost like uh, like during COVID right now to enter a store, you have to wear a mask. Maybe there's a temp, uh, temp forehead temperature check. You have to uh, um, uh, wash your hands with uh, I was going to say with detergent, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with, a, uh, with a, you know with a, a, a cleaning uh, a gel or sanitizer what have you. That's I think is a very important thing moving forward as, as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. I, you mentioned a couple there, and you've mentioned a few through this episode. Um, I was wondering if there's products or services you recommend everyone has on their computers. Um, you'd mentioned an authenticator app, obviously CyberSC as a service, um, but I was wondering if there's any others.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the one of the things which I, I uh, like uh, recommend, especially what we see with a lot of SMBs, is that they, they like having Mac laptops. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago where every, no matter what, type of business you know they were all windows laptops or windows machines but you know, it's a different age now and uh mac laptops um by default don't have an anti-malware antivirus solution uh so i highly recommend uh downloading one uh and there's some really great free ones uh, which are uh, you're able to use it particularly for very small organizations if you get past a certain threshold, you know, you have to pay, but I mean, it's still quite uh, inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but Sofos, uh, Sophos, S-O-P-H-O-S, uh, so Sophos Antivirus for Mac, freely downloadable, one of my preferred options for any of our Mac users for uh, with, uh, with our clients. Uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Again, it, it's helping to make sure that you're doing some basic cyber hygiene, basic cybersecurity uh, mechanisms in place.
1: And there was that myth that Macs can't get viruses. I'm sure you've heard that, and oh, I used to yes. believe it. And I had a Mac, and then one day, um, some wonky stuff started happening, and well, I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> this is well,
0: wrong." The, the and and uh, uh, I'll try not to go onto my soapbox because that, that was always one of my favorite <laughs> rants when someone asked that question and said, "Oh, I have a Mac. I don't have to worry about this." You know, nothing made me happier than tearing that person apart. But you know, the <laughs> the the, the understanding understanding this from an economics point of view uh um, not to say Macs are inherently more safe or unsafe compared to Windows. Um, you know uh, one could argue Windows because they've had to go through so much and they been a, a consistent target, one could argue that they're more secure than the Mac. But the reason why they you know Macs weren't really you know had that appearance of being more secure is actually rooted in economics. So if you think about uh, cyber kernel cyber crime, uh, cyber crime they are trying to uh, perpetrate and commit the most effective crimes possible. And up until, let's say, the past three or four years, uh, the majority of business machines worldwide were Windows machines, like 99% of them. So if you're going to be crafting uh, certain code or certain attacks, are you going to be focusing on 1% of the all business assets? No, you're going to mm-hmm. be focusing on, on the majority asset yeah. to get the, the biggest bang for your buck uh, in terms of committing these crimes. Now, over the past five years in particular, we've seen that change drastically, especially with SMBs, where now Macs you know, take you know, 15 20% market share, in, uh, if not higher in the business space. Now it, be, it makes more economic sense for cyber criminals to commit crimes and try and commit uh, and craft certain uh, code uh, to be able to hack into Macs. And that's why over the past few years, it went from, we went from seeing zero Mac attacks to seeing quite a few. Uh, like I said, it's, it's all rooted in basic economics.
1: That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, the next one is if someone is an employee and they're looking to discuss cybersecurity needs with their leadership team, uh, what questions would you suggest they they bring to that team?
0: Ooh, that's a, that's a really, really good question. You know, the, um, one of the things which I, I, I think is, an, is important, and I know we've we've talked about both of them, so I'll just summarize them quickly. Is I think the need for awareness. If as, a, as an employee, if you're not feeling like you're being kept informed in terms of what cyber threats are, uh, you should be aware of or what's facing the organization, you should bring that up to your management. That's a very very important thing to to know, uh, especially for frontline staff. I think that's an important thing to um, have a conversation with your management on. The second one. Is uh, making sure that if you're working remotely, especially in this day and age, that you're able to connect securely. Um, and again, if you're not sure if that's happening, you should be having that discussion with, with your management. And the third one would be what I refer to as secure data handling processes uh, or guidelines. So many people don't know, um, you know, is this, is this particular type of data considered sensitive uh, am I allowed to send it through email? Uh, uh, some of them will just send it through email and not even think twice about that. Uh, that's a third one, which I think absolutely, uh, absolutely needs to be well understood, um, by employees. And that needs to be communicated from management. What type of data should we be treating very, very carefully? And what are the approved mechanisms for sort of moving it from point A to point B?
1: Awesome. Those are great tips. That is the end of the questions I have for you. I want to thank you for letting me put you through the ringer on these last couple of episodes. <laughs> um, but I did want to check if there was anything you wanted to leave as sort of a final comment about this uh, before you talk about your, your services uh, or anything I haven't touched on.
0: Well, and and Morgan, first off, I I love the the depth and breadth of the questions you've asked. I think, you know, and asked it in the way in which we were making this resonate with with your audience. Because um, it's very easy to just talk tech talk when it comes to cybersecurity. And I've seen that time and time again. Where you know you have even you know my my colleagues uh, talk to a you know a business audience and people's eyes start glazing over. It's like when I'm listening to my mother-in-law, I, I just zone out. <laughs> and um, you know that's it's so important to be able to connect um, with um, uh, with sort of that business non-technical audience in a way that will make it compelling and truly help them understand what we're dealing with. And like I said, this is very much a failing, not so much on the SMB side. I think it's a failing on the cybersecurity industry as a whole, that we've done a very poor job of making this well understood, uh, in particular by the SMB community.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I think hopefully everyone listening is kind of getting a clearer image. Uh, This was not a topic I knew anything about, so I really appreciate you making it easy. (laughs) 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 <laughs> um and obviously you're extremely knowledgeable so let's plug your your company your services if anyone's looking to get in touch uh let them know how
0: absolutely and, and i pre- i appreciate that uh, morgan and again i i pride myself on being um a conduit and a connector you know uh even if you if, if your audience or people listening just have a quick question uh they can send it to me, you know, reach out to me, uh, th- uh, on LinkedIn. I'm crazy active there. Um, reach out through our company website, cyber, cyber.sc, uh, reach out through my email, dvogel at cyber.sc. Uh, I'm always happy to just, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in needing to do more for the community and make them more aware. Um, you know, I'm not going to just answer a question and send you an invoice for 20 K. <laughs> uh, I'm very much a believer in, in, in trying to help people better understand, cyber risk and what it means to their organization. So uh, I always love it when people reach out. And, and again, in terms of what we do, uh, uh, if your organization is, um, like I said, if they've, in the aftermath of a data breach or a ransomware incident, or if you're seeing that your your clients and your customers are holding your company to a higher uh, standard uh, when it comes to cybersecurity, or if you're worried about cyber risk or cybersecurity and if your organization should be doing more or how to hold your IT team or your IT service provider more accountable when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, These are all reasons why you should reach out. You know, I like to say that we provide um, cyber risk leadership uh, and that we serve as trusted advisors to CEOs, business owners, CFOs, COOs. Um, If you at your organization, you're ultimately responsible for cybersecurity and cyber risk and you know nothing about it, you should reach out to us.
1: Fantastic. And just for everyone listening, I'll be linking everything down in the description below so you can take a look there um, if you didn't catch that as well. Well, thank you so much for doing these two episodes. This has been really fun. <laughs> I've had a blast, Morgan. This yeah, was a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah. And maybe we'll we'll do something again in the future. Um, if any listeners have more topics they'd like us to cover, please feel free to, to send those in to me as well. Great. Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Morgan. Like I said, I'm I tr- truly humbled to, to, to have had the opportunity to, to be on the podcast. I had a ton of fun chatting with you, and I would love to be a recurring guest. Let's do this again soon.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. I hope you found it helpful and have enjoyed our cybersecurity series. A reminder, if you haven't yet to give part one a listen, it is the episode we posted just before this one. And a huge thank you to our guest, Dominic Vogel of Cyber SC. Please check out the podcast description for all of his information and links. For our listeners on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please consider taking a moment to rate, review, or follow the podcast. It really helps grow the show and allow us to bring on great guests like Dominic. All right, we'll be back again soon with a new episode. But until then, thank you again for tuning in. And I'll be talking to you again very soon.